The Apostle Paul says, For I am ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. <clears throat> hence there, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that are called, or also are loved as appearing. If you were asked on the way out the door tonight by some stranger who happened to be walking by, are you saved, what would be the answer that you would give? I would hope that the answer, if you are a New Testament Christian, would be that, yes, I'm saved. But unfortunately, I don't think that that's always the answer that we give. The answer sometimes is, I hope I am. I think I am. I hope I am. But it's not really, I'm sure. The Apostle Paul had that assurance that he had a home in heaven. He had the assurance that he was going to have that crown of righteousness that had been laid up for him. And I believe that every single one of us that is a Christian today should have that same confidence. We're looking at a song about blessed assurance, and as I was looking and researching about the song, I came across this verse that someone had written that obviously does not go with the song, but it talks about what I just have been mentioning. And it goes like this. Not much assurance, maybe he's mine. Maybe I'll make it to heaven sometime. Watching and waiting, wringing my hands, never quite sure of where I might stand. That should not be our thoughts or our attitude. John wrote in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, These things have I written unto you, that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Another passage of Scripture that teaches us that as Christians we should have that assurance that we have a home in heaven. And I think that sometimes we fail or we think we can't have that assurance or we can't say that we are saved for sure. Because after talking to so many people over the years, I get the impression that we think that we haven't done enough. And I sometimes wonder if we think that we have to earn salvation. Salvation is a gift of God. We can't work ourselves to heaven. We can't do enough to say, God, you have to give it to me. God does expect us to work as Christians. He's given us responsibilities. But what we need to realize is that we are dependent upon the blood of Jesus Christ to save our soul. Without that blood, we would be in a lost condition. So tonight I want to talk about this hymn, Blessed Assurance, which was written by Fanny Crosby. And she wrote this song, or the verses to this song, when a friend of hers came with the music and said she needed some lyrics for the song. And I thought this woman must have been very talented to hear that tune and be able to put those words to it that easily and that quickly. 
She'd written over 8,000 hymns in her lifetime. And what was remarkable about Crosby was that she was blind from a very young, young age. She was, was When she was an infant, one thing I read, she had a, some kind of eye infection and they put some concoction in her eye and they thought that that's what caused her to be blind. The fact of the matter is, Jesus wants us to be saved. And he's provided a great blessing to make that happen. He died on the cross. His, his father sent him to this world so that you and I could have salvation. What a glorious thought to know that God loves us that much. The first, first verse of that song goes, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Think about that. There's no one that can take that away from us. The fact when we obey the gospel, we are bought with a price, we belong to our Lord, and no one can take that from us. We can turn our back on our Lord and go back into the world and end up lost, but that would be our decision. No one can separate us from the love of Christ. The Bible tells us that. But we are heirs of salvation. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 through 29, it says, And as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we, ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You might remember all the way back in Genesis when that promise was made to Abraham that through his seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And it is through his seed that we see that Christ came into the world and because Christ came into the world it made it possible for you and I to be heirs with Christ. Now think about that just in and of itself, to be an heir with Christ, to have an inheritance with Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. What a blessing and privilege that is to know that that is possible. In Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, it says, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We are heirs with Christ. We are the sons and daughters of God. What a privilege it is to be able to call God our Father and to be able to talk to Him in prayer and to know that He hears our prayers and will answer them, answer those prayers as what's best for us. And we always need to pray that His will be done, not our will be done, but we trust Him because He's made us as His sons and daughters. And what a privilege and blessing it is to know that and that we have an inheritance. In First Peter chapter 3, verses 4, or verses... Chapter 1, verses 3 through 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercies hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Think about it. We're here on this earth. We live a life and we sin and we, we, we do things that separate us from God. As some, we look at our lives and we say we're not worthy to be a child of God, but God loves us enough that he says that you are worthy to be a child of mine, and this is what you need to do in order to have that salvation. 
in order to be called a child of mine. He tells us what we need to do. So he's telling us that we're worthy of what he's doing for us. And I talk to a lot of people who think that their sin is so bad that God cannot forgive them or will not forgive them. And I point out if we're willing to submit to our Lord and do what he tells us to do to take care of that sin, he is faithful and will forgive us of that sin. That's a great privilege to know because when we are a child of God, that means that we have been purchased by God. We belong to him. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to him if we've been baptized into Christ, if we've obeyed that glorious gospel. That price was the blood of Christ on the cross. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 says, For as much as ye know that ye have, were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You know, there are some things that silver and gold cannot buy. And it cannot buy our salvation. We realize the preciousness or the precious metal of silver and gold and what it means. And if you had a lot of it, how wealthy you would be. But you could have all the gold of this world and all the silver combined in this world. And yet it could not buy you a home in heaven. That can only be bought by the blood of Christ. Psalm says we're born of his spirit. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Jesus told him, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. In John chapter 3 and verse 5, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It is the spirit that quickens us, according to John chapter 3 or 6 and verse 63. It quickens us, the flesh profiteth nothing, the word that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So when Jesus tells us that we need to be born of the water and the Spirit, we need to understand that that Spirit is the Word of God. That we need to understand that that Word is what tells us what we need to do in order to be saved. And when we re- reject God's plan for salvation, we're rejecting that Spirit, that was, or the Scripture that was given to us by the Holy Spirit that guides us in all truths. And we need to understand that when we're born of the water and of the Spirit, then that's where we have salvation. When we've done what God has told us to do, when we complied with the conditions that he has set forth, we must hear the word of God. That's what the Bible tells us. Our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our faith must be based upon what the Bible says, not what I think or what I feel or what I would like. It has to be based upon the word of God. And it's in that word that we find what we must do in order to be saved. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and Jesus told him what he needed to do, that he needed to be born again. We saw that, so well, some of us saw that this morning after the service, someone born again, baptized into Christ, obeyed the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 1, and verse 23, Peter says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, <clears throat> by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so we are washed in the blood. We understand what the word of God tells us that we must do. 
and to comply with it, we can have our sins washed away. And as the song says, we are washed in his blood. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. When you think about blood, you don't think that it could cleanse us. When you think about blood, you think of the stains that it can cause if you get it on your clothing or get it on on wood or get it on some other surface. Sometimes that blood can stain but not the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ cleanses us. And that is why Saul was told in Acts 22 and verse 16, Now why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. The blood of Christ is what washes us clean. The second verse of that song says, Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Perfect submission occurs when we submit to the righteousness of God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20, I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. God has a standard that he wants us to live by. We don't define what righteousness is. God tells us what is right. That's why it's so important that we study our word, study God's word to show ourselves approved unto God. We study and we come to an understanding of what he's trying to tell us that we need to do. And we need to understand it and be obedient to it. Because it's his righteousness that we must follow. Paul's desire was that Israel would be saved. But in Romans chapter 10 and verse 3, listen to what he says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. They wanted to follow God. They wanted to do what they thought was right. But it wasn't what God wanted them to do. They didn't want to, many of the Jews did not want to accept Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the Savior. They wanted to follow the old law and continue doing those things. But that law was nailed to the cross when Jesus died. And so that law was done away with. And they went about doing their own righteousness. There's a lot of people today that come up with their own righteous way. But that way is not going to get them to where they want to go. Why? Because Jesus said, He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Jesus is the way, the only way. And so it's through His word that we must be obedient so that we can be righteous in God's sight. That perfect submission brings perfect delight because it results, uh, delight results when we know that we have a right relationship with God. In Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip, when they were in the wilderness, or in that in the wilderness, and then uh, Philip uh, baptized the eunuch. The Bible says that when they came up out of the water, that the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Brethren, we rejoice and we are confident in our salvation when we know that we are living by God's standard, when we're doing what God wants us to do. And I believe that that's why we lack the confidence, that we lack the assurance that we should have. And that is because we know that we're not living like we should. 
that we're not putting God first in every area of our lives, that we're not seeking His kingdom and His righteousness first in our lives. And therefore, it makes us miserable. And we don't have the assurance that God wants us to have. And we can't say the words that the Apostle Paul said just before his life came to an end. John chapter 17 and verse 13 And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have joy fulfilled in themselves. There is joy and happiness in our lives when we submit to God. I was talking to an individual one time. He didn't believe that there was a God. He wanted me to admit that I was going to be, or that I was miserable striving to live the Christian life. And then he wanted me to admit that I was going to be very upset and miserable in the hereafter when I found out that there was nothing. Which I thought, that's kind of amazing. Because if there's nothing, then I won't know it. Well, he got upset when I pointed that out to him. But the point is, living a godly life, everyone that I know that is striving to live that godly life, they're not miserable. They have the peace of passive all understanding. They have the joy down in their heart. A song that we sing in Vacation Bible School. They have that joy. They have that happiness. They have that peace. Why? Because they know that their relationship with God is what God wants it to be. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. That happens when we obey God. The song also points out visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy, whispers of love. We can't know what exactly Fanny Crosby was thinking when she wrote those that line in that stanza of that song. And I guess that's one of the good things about some of the songs that we sing. They're not given by the inspiration of God, so I don't have to agree with everyone on the meaning of a verse. Perhaps it was the moment when heaven would be her first sight that she would see. It would fill her with rapture and intense joy. I don't know. She lived 200 years ago. But perhaps that was what she was thinking. I do know this was written about her where it says a minister told her that it was a pity that God did not give her sight. And this was her reply. Do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I would have been born blind. Because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. I would suspect that that has something to do with what she wrote there in that song. That she wanted to be filled with intense joy 
And I've seen a lot of faces in my lifetime, but the face that I long to see is my Lord. And I look forward to that day that we can see him. And I hope that you're looking forward to that day. And I hope that you have the same attitude that Paul had when he talked about being in a a strait betwixt two. He wanted to go and be with Christ, but he also seen the need that he had to be here on this earth. And so I hope that we're all looking forward to seeing that day that that trumpet sounds and that the Lord returns and takes us home to be with him. What a day that will be. The promise of eternity is possible because of God's love and mercy in not giving us the judgment that we deserve. The song says, echoes of mercy. They are echoes in that we do not hear God's voice directly. We hear these echoes as we hear God's word every day. God's word came through men, inspired men. We do not hear the voice of God direct today. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 10, which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We are the children of God because of God's mercy, because of God's goodness. He made it possible those of us who were sinners could be saved. Isn't that great to hear? The song mentions whispers of love. They are whispers in that they are only the shadow of what God has in store for us. I look at our, 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 our the world that we live in, the, the nature that God has created. You see a beautiful sunset. No places where you can see mountains, you see rivers, you see all kinds of beautiful things in nature. Nothing more beautiful than looking at flowers and see how they grow in, in the spring when they pop up out of the ground and then they flourish. All of those are the handiwork of God. When you look at what God's created for us, think about what heaven must truly be like. We cannot behold it. We can't even comprehend the beauty of what God has in store for us. The Bible says, But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily the love of God perfected, hereby know we that we are in him. We cannot be saved outside of Christ. We must be in him. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. The last verse of that song, perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. I can rest in my Savior knowing the hope that I have in him. It is through grace that we are saved through faith. Second Timothy or Second Thessalonians chapter two and verse sixteen. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Everything that we have to look forward to is because of God's grace to us. We don't deserve it, 
But because of his goodness, because of his mercy, he makes it possible for all mankind to be saved. Where's your affection set? The Bible tells us that we need to have our affections set on things above, not on the things of this earth. Is our home here in this world? 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Our comfort comes from God's Word. We struggle in this life. We have difficulties in this life. But you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the comfort that we get from God. When death comes into our lives, it makes a tremendous difference to those that are around, those that are left behind, whether or not that person is a member of the church, a Christian, and in a safe condition. We have that comfort. And so while we're here on this earth, we watch, we wait, we look above for his coming. First Peter 1 and verse 3, Wherefore, gird up your loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We have salvation today. But that final salvation comes when our Lord returns and we hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joys of thy Lord. When we hear that at the end, that final judgment, we, we enter heaven. That's our ultimate salvation that we're looking for. That can never be taken away. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. How many of us are looking forward to that day? If that shout took place today and that trumpet sounded, how many of us would crawl under the pew to hide? Or how many of us would look up and say, Welcome home, we're glad to go with you. In the meantime, we're filled with his goodness and we're lost in his love. Ephesians 3 and verse 19, To know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Ephesians 5 and verse 18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, will be filled with the Spirit. First John chapter 4 and verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Jesus doesn't want us to have a spirit of fear. We don't have to be afraid of that day when he returns. If we're living in perfect submission, as the song talks about, we can look forward to that day that our Lord returns. And we can welcome him because we know that we have been found faithful. And yes, we can have that same attitude that Paul had. We can say we fought a good fight, we finished our course, we've kept the faith. Because we know that there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me also, and you. And we can be thankful for it. So we have that blessed assurance because of our relationship with our Lord. And because the word of Jesus 
our standard for righteousness and the comfort of Jesus, which gives us hope of heaven. So yes, this is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Is that your song? you have that attitude? You see, Jesus came not willing that any should be lost. He wants all to be saved. And that's why he came to this earth. And if you're not a Christian tonight, Jesus died for your sins so that you could have salvation. And what a crime or a terrible thing that it would be to have the opportunity to have your sins washed away by his blood and have that assurance and to walk away from that offer. Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. He extends that great invitation because he loves us and cares for us, and he wants you to be saved. And he tells us what we need to do in order to be saved. He says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It's pretty simple. Believe that he is the Son of God. Be willing to make that confession before man. Be willing to turn away from your sin and stop doing the things that you know that are wrong. Put your trust and faith in our Lord and allow Him to guide you through His Word and be baptized into Christ for the remission of sin. You see, we, we can do that tonight. You can do that tonight. But perhaps you don't have that assurance as a Christian. Maybe that's because you're not living like you should. I would encourage you to make changes in your life so that you can have that assurance, that you can have that hope, because there's no reason to leave this world not not sure of your salvation. But tonight, if you're not a Christian, you need to become one. And if you are and you've wandered away, we can help you in any way that we can. We'll pray with you, pray for you. We'll encourage you anyhow, any way we can. You have that opportunity while we stand and sing.